coming to you from the mountains and the plains. The only conservative voices brave enough to push back. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Altman. That's what the Second Amendment was designed to do. If you're going to do something to, to nullify or take away my rights under the Constitution, come get it. Max McGuire. When you look at politicians on the left, um, they need to convince people that they are victims. A resistance to the resistance. And now your hosts, Joe Altman and Max McGuire. Welcome everyone to a special edition of Conservative Daily Podcast. Um, I um, I thought this was probably one of the most interesting interviews we could do. And this interview specifically will be about um, the injustice, speak of the broken justice system. And I know we've been talking about a specific um, client that you have. But first, I want you to introduce yourself to everyone that's listening to you right now. Absolutely. My name is Andrea Hall and I'm a criminal defense attorney. I typically represent clients in Larimer County and Weld County. I've owned my own law practice for the last 16 years. In fact, I opened my own law practice right out of law school. I guess that's why you get malpractice insurance. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I've been doing it for a minute. And you enjoy it? Yeah, I do. Um, there are parts of it that I don't enjoy. Uh, however, for the most part, fighting for justice is definitely a passion of mine. Yeah. How's that working out? It's a, it's a struggle. I constantly feel like I'm pushing a boulder up the hill and one wrong step will completely crush me. We um, have to fight the injustices daily, whether it's the prosecution or the police. So, so let's talk a little bit about um the case we're going to talk about today yeah all right his name is colby pippen yeah and colby right now is in custody correct he's been in custody for um almost a year and a half as a result of covid a high bond um things of that nature and just give us a, just a basic just overview of his case specifically because when i actually heard the case i shock is probably the first thing that came <laughs> over me but then not being shocked at the fact that this is an everyday occurrence. This isn't something new, no. right? So no. give us a little bit of, an, of, a, of a background on him specifically. So my client was in custody on uh, other charges okay. and um, he had been in custody and was receiving antipsychotic medication uh, due to his mental health issues. And he ultimately, um, lost it as a result of this medication. He was on suicide watch. He'd been complaining um, for lack of sleep, that the lights were bothering him for numerous days. He hadn't slept in approximately five to six days. Wow. Um, and when you're on suicide watch in the jail, you basically are in a uh, green uh, padded garment, no other clothes, no undergarments, no nothing, no blankets, no nothing. Um, and you're in a room and they don't ever shut the lights off. Um, so you're in a very small cell that the guards can see you as they walk by, but the lights are never shut off. He was seeing images come through the, the vents. Um, he was telling people strange things. And ultimately his lawyer, a couple days before that had said, you know, we've got a serious problem and yet the jail still did nothing. Um, they let my client out for his 
mandatory half hour out of his cell for the 24 hours that he's on lockdown and something snapped. We don't know what. Um, he believed he was fighting the devil. Um, and ultimately, he assaulted a police officer. And so now he's being locked down for longer for assaulting a police officer. Right. So now he has additional criminal charges as a result of this episode. And again, the bond is very high as well as with COVID um, and not potentially getting him the mental health things that he would need on the outside world and the high bond. The family has chosen to keep him in what is somewhat of a safe environment um, so that he doesn't pick up new charges. He's currently being evaluated. Uh, we have raised a uh, NGRI defense, which is not guilty by reason of insanity. The case is currently set for trial in July. And uh, it, let, let's, let's back up for a minute. So the reason why everyone that we're talking about this case is because we've relegated and this is just my opinion. I, I do want to hear your opinion on this. We've relegated the uh, mental health issues to the streets mm -hmm. of our society, right? We've basically created, we go back in history, we've created a, a uh, you know, a beggar's block, so to speak, of people that actually have mental health issues. And the system is, is not designed to actually take care of them. So where we used to 50 years ago, we used to have a, a system. We used to have a system that, you know, you'd go in, they would, you would actually evaluate them. If they were found to be mentally deficient, they would go into a, a mental health facility, right? Now we don't have those. So, and well, and it's really tough because the system wants justice. They don't want to rehabilitate and help because that doesn't make anybody any money. See, right, right, so right, it's better right. to keep them in the system. And there is so many people that have underlying mental health issues as a result of charges, right? Um, you don't wake up one day and decide you're going to be a drug addict. Typically, there's either some sort of trauma or some sort of mental health issue that's behind right. the drug addiction. And we're putting a Band-Aid on a wound that really needs staples and a tourniquet, right? And so, you know, a lot of the homeless people that are on the streets, whether it's here in Colorado or any other state, are really suffering from a mental health issue and it's not being taken care of. So what, uh, you know, you, you obviously go through this process multiple times with, with different people. Why, why this case? Why, why has this guy got your heart a little bit in, 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 in fighting for him? So be, being a private uh, criminal defense attorney, I obviously get to pick the cases that I take, right? Right. Where when you work in the system and you're a public defender or you're court, court appointed as a result of a conflict with the public defender's office, you don't always get that choice. Right. And so most of my clients tug at my heartstrings in one way or another just for the simple fact that I get to actually spend time with them. They're not a file on the pile. I am not overworked and underpaid. And so when someone comes to my office, I get to know their family. I get to know their background and their history. And it is a relationship. It's not just he's a case to me, right? And so I have had the opportunity to speak to my client's mother numerous times on the phone and 
really delve into what his background was and you know how his mental illness was not diagnosed and how they thought it was ADD and got him addicted to Adderall as a result of that and you know so many things have been uncovered ultimately as a result of this case on my side for this gentleman right so yeah well, when, when we talk about accountability, what's really interesting is that we have accountability for thee, but not for me, or accountability for me, but not for thee. Is, is there a, a two-pronged justice system that we're dealing with today? Oh, I absolutely think so. Um, I think you can see it play out in any number of realms, right? People who have money have the ability to pay for experts and good lawyers and things of that nature. And so the ability for them to fight the justice system is much different than somebody who's impoverished, right? Or who has to use the public defender's office because they are literally overworked. I mean, there's lots of times that I see the public defender walk in and the first time they're actually talking to their client is right there in the courtroom. Well, that's not any way to have a relationship with a client for one or to be able to really fight for the injustice. And that's not any fault of the public defender's office, right? That's because yeah. the system is the way it is. But what we're really seeing right now with COVID is that the district attorney's office is not letting go of cases. They're holding on to them like every case is a murder case. When the jails are packed, people are not bonding out. We have not had trials in basically a year. The so, docket system is so far behind. So the docket system is so far behind, but the Constitution is very clear on a speedy trial. So are you being forced to actually um, waive speedy trial in order to accommodate the court? So right now, the Colorado Supreme Court has basically said there is no constitutional right to a speedy trial. Pay attention to that, what she just said. What Andre just said is very, very important. And I've talked many, many times about the constitutionality of, of laws and, and the fact that they can only get away with it if we, if we let them get away with it. But I want you to say that again. This is super interesting because the Constitution is not an if or a then or a but, right? It does not say that I can actually suppress or stop your constitutional rights under any circumstances. Yet, the Colorado Supreme Court is basically saying that. Correct. They absolutely have. And so every time I go to court, I have to make a record. Because at some point in time, whether it's my case or someone else's case, it will ultimately get to the United States Supreme Court. It's going right. to take many years for that to happen. However, ultimately it will. Because now what's happened, now that you know Larimer County is open, Weld County is about to be opened again for felony trials, they're literally having one felony trial a week and the chief justice gets to decide which case has priority. So which, if, means, which means people that are still in the jails don't get due process. Correct. Their lives don't matter. Let, let's, let's be clear. <laughs> yes. The reason why this is interesting to me is because nobody knows this is happening. Mm -mm. You have people on the streets in Minneapolis, that, and you can have a different opinion, I have a different opinion right, that are protesting someone that resisted arrest, tried to flee the scene, who was a gangbanger, was wanted for armed robbery. They're protesting his death, which it's tragic. I mean, she reached for her taser and grabbed her gun. I, I don't see how that happens, but it happened, right? But they're protesting it as a, some sort of racial injustice when the real injustice 
is that it doesn't matter who you are. It's a, you're a slave or, or you're a, uh, a uh, EBIT, right? You, you don't matter. You're a sharecropper on, on the government's plantation. And they get to decide whether, when your life starts, when it ends, and they don't have to apply or, or follow the Constitution. They get to ruin people's lives with impunity. That's what I feel like. I feel like they get, and that we, 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 they keep us over here, and we don't talk about the real problems, the, the massive issues that are happening in our society. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I don't know all the facts in that. I just have briefly seen it because I attempt to avoid the news media at all costs. You're not the only one, um, but we get to, we, we actually get to talk about it quite a bit. So, so because I work in this system, I do see the injustice, yeah. and there is injustice when it comes to race. Don't get me wrong. There absolutely is. The problem now is the police are so hypersensitive that they're trigger happy on everything, right? Like they're so afraid that they are going to get shot. So they're on the defense, right? Now, don't get me wrong. This guy or this lady, whoever it was, obviously sounds like there was a criminal history, all of that stuff. And there's there's two sides to every story, right. no matter how flat you make the pancake, right? The problem is, is that everybody is so hypersensitive about everything that no one is bothering to ultimately look at the facts. Like right. the case that's going on in Minneapolis right now yeah. with um, George, right? Yeah. Like no one allowed the facts to actually come to the surface before the news media tried and convicted everybody. Well, well then, the, and, and by the way, they did it on purpose, you know, divide and conquer. Oh yeah. You know, we're having a conversation about just an uh, everyday man who is being subjected to a system that created him, right? Oh, we thought you had ADD, so some doctor got involved, just kind of go back in time. And you can see that there's a colossal number of things that happen in order to put this man into this place. And look, I have brothers and sisters that were given Adderall. They were, they were given Adderall when they were younger. I see how it has manifested in their lives mm -hmm. today, right? They, they don't have the same concentration. Mean, it's, it's crazy what it's done to them, right? Well, now, there's a side effect to every drug. Right, right. But <laughs> but then it was all about control, mm -hmm. right? So you have this person that went through, got addicted to Adderall, you know, pushed him through his life, right? Uh, some sort of psychosis, something happened to affect his mental health, whether it slowed down, sped up, did something to his mental, right? And now he can't even get to the place where he can get a resolution. He can't even get to that place because no matter what happens, it just seems to more consequences keep coming, right? Down the line that are directly related to their inability to even care about his mental health. Right? They, they stopped him from receiving proper care. And by stopping him to receive proper care, he had a reaction. Mm -hmm. And yet he is guilty of the reaction, but they're not guilty of conspiring or being complicit and, and ha making that behavior happen. It's almost as if they wanted it to happen. Well, and here's another example. So the prosecutor that was originally on the case was a witness to the breakdown in the courtroom. And the district attorney's office is refusing to let go of the case and allow a special prosecutor to come in and evaluate this case. Yeah. And I said, what's the dog in the fight? And they're like, we don't have a conflict. I said, I've endorsed one, if not two prosecutors from your office to testify in the meltdown that happened prior to my client being found incompetent two days after this event. And you're telling me you don't have a conflict? Like what part am I missing? Please enlighten me. 
but but this is the problem you know we, we talk about um somebody just said joe has very large hands <laughs> <laughs> yes i do <laughs> great comment glad you brought that up Jay, <laughs> many christmas all right i thought that was funny sorry i looked down and i said joe has large hands and i was like okay here we go <laughs> the reason why that this is a that, that that I've lost my train of thought there for a minute. It's because you have such big hands. <laughs> you know, now big now hands. the blood is flowing to your hands, Joe. <laughs> You're not able to think. <laughs> but the reason why we get to this place where where it's like this aha moment, turning on light bulbs, is that they hide the reality from us. And until you're actually in the system, correct, you don't know how broken the system is. Absolutely. And, and I talked to, I have a lot of attorney friends. As a matter of fact, last night I was with one of my attorney friends and we were talking about this and he goes, Joe, there, there, there is no system of justice. I tell my clients that all the time. I yeah. say there is no justice. It's just us. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, the, the unfortunate part about that is that people walk around. This is, there's a reason why there's a boiling point and frustration on every level. Mm -hmm. And, I remember back when the George Floyd start, stuff started, you know, you talk about the fact that they didn't want to get to the facts and, you know, there's two sides story no matter how flat the pancake is. But I, me and Max were diabolically opposed because I'm like, listen, I have history growing up in, in, in areas where I watched my friends get tossed around by the police. I'd been tossed around by the police, right? And, you know, obviously I have the thing with my brother where my brother was murdered by a police officer. But having to understand that my brother actually decided to run from the police so he 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 had he had a responsibility in it mm -hmm. right if he wouldn't have run and everyone wants to say in the george floyd deal that oh we, we need to make sure this cop is guilty but they didn't even show us until three months later the real footage that showed mm -hmm. that the police officers treated him with humanity treated him with respect they didn't just throw him around and put their knee on his neck that's not what happened right but the the system now is at a place where all the facts are coming out months well, later. And that's not even the, the truth of it, Joe, yeah. because we are still only getting fed what has publicly either been said in the courtroom right. or has been released by someone because, and this is what I said to somebody the other day, they were talking about the facts and I said, let me be clear. You don't have the facts. The only people that potentially have all of the facts are the prosecution and potentially the defense, defense attorney. And I've experienced plenty of times where the prosecution has withheld evidence. So I don't even know if the defense has all of the evidence. Yeah, so so that's interesting you say that. So that should that typically is a is a massive problem. Correct. Right? And it's a massive problem because the system it should be designed on both sides to have equilibrium. That equilibrium should be do we want this person right to get justice the, on the prosecutors like hey look i want to hold someone accountable for something they did wrong it should be unemotional here's here's what we want to do i want to have compassion for circumstances things like that but it should be equal that both sides should want the same thing truth to be heard and they don't if we did what the prosecution does right. and has been accused of in numerous cases we would be disbarred as defense attorneys. What typically happens for them is potentially a public censure, a slap on the wrist. I mean, they're not disbarred, as well as the state of Colorado has allowed them to have immunity. 
they're not held accountable. So if they withhold <sighs> evidence for the defense of who the real person is, and I've been involved in cases, I was involved on the sidelines with the Masters case and looking through all of the evidence. The Timothy when, Masters case. Yes, yeah. when Maria Lu and David Lane were working on that case for years, you had a man in prison for 10 years. Right. And when he was tried, he was approximately 25 years old. So the jury is now looking at somebody who's 25 and looks like he's fully capable of moving a woman's dead body that's 150 pounds. Not a 15-year-old young man who walked across and thought it was a dummy and some kids at school were screwing with him, right? Right. But those two prosecutors who happened to be judges at, at the time of the case being heard 10 years later only got a public censure. And if it wasn't for Troy Krenning and a bunch of uh, public citizens rallying to get them not revoted on the ballot, they would have continued to be judges in that jurisdiction. They, they would have been continued to be judges perpetuating this, this kind of forceful, you know, I'm going to equate it to, I mean, there are some judges that I would equate to, oh man, this is going to be a tough word to say, because I, I know people are going, to, are going to take this the wrong way, but equated to serial killers, like they enjoy punishing people, right? They, they are narcissistic, they are sociopathic. And I know that I've been in front of several judges like that, um, obviously, I'm a business guy, so, um, but I, I actually got myself in trouble with the judge because the judge was acting like a fool, and I called him a fool. And he's like, you can't talk to me that way. And I went, yes, I can. I can talk to you that way. Matter of fact, I'm here, and I'm sitting here watching your actions, not just on our case, but on the case before it. And I said, you should be ashamed of yourself because I'm going to hold you in contempt. I said, I hope you do. Right. And he knew at that point that I was not going to let it go. Right. And I go, you're nothing but a bully. You want to be a bully. Right. Go out on the street and act like a bully. But in here, you should show respect for this courtroom. And you're not. You're the judge. And you don't show any respect for this courtroom. He goes, you're on thin ice. I go, I could be on all the thin ice you want me to be. I'm still going to speak. I have a right to speak. Right. And he goes, not in my courtroom. And again, he kept pushing, but he never would follow me, find me in contempt. And I wish he would have. Right. We call that black robe syndrome. Yeah, but, but the, the black robe syndrome is a massive problem because they're not held accountable. You just said they can make a decision today. Two, three years can go by. People can be sitting in jail, yep. their lives ruined, lose everything that they have, and then the judge gets publicly censured. How is that a system that actually serves the American people? And why don't the American people know that it's happening? Right. This, is a, this is a huge problem. Well, I don't think this is the only problem, right? Well, Most okay. people are floating through life. They go to their job. They take care of their kids. Yeah. They go on vacation, right? So yeah. unless something has personally affected them, whatever it is, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, criminal yeah. justice system, you name it, right? Like we could pick any topic. Right. And unless it typically has affected you, people just stick their head in the sand because it's not relevant to them, right? Like I got a life to deal with, I got bills to yeah. pay, and let's just keep rolling. So yeah. people don't care to know. And then the information that they do potentially know about it has been fed to them by the news media or a politician or, you know, a group that has an agenda. 
And no one does their own research. They just take what they hear at face value and go, okay, well, that must be it. They wouldn't have told us that if it wasn't true, right? Uh, correct. So that's the world we live in. But but it's 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 not the world that they tell us we live in and the world we actually live in are completely different. You are correct. So and now they're selling us on another lie. <laughs> now they're selling us another Which lie. Which one would that, you like to yeah. talk about? <laughs> well, the, the biggest lie that I see that's a massive problem for me is that and again, I want to I know that you have some pictures, so I'll, I'll have you kind of I don't know if we can get those. Josh, did you send those to me at all? Or did um, you? No, um, but I have the family photos, if that's what, yes, some yeah, photos so of my clients. So I'll we'll make sure that you yeah. get those. Yeah. And we'll um, we'll kind of let you just if you can send them. Yes. Great. While we're doing it, we'll okay. just kind of informal ish kind of <laughs> interview here. So we might uh, move around a little bit. Um, but the, but the issue that I have right now is they're selling us on this, this that everyone's a racist, right? You had, you had someone that works in a position of power and authority underneath the Biden administration that said that our founding documents are interwoven with racism, right? I find it offensive. I find it offensive for every black man, Hispanic man, woman, uh, you know, every Asian, every person of color, every person that is white that fought for to end slavery that died as a result of that. And these clowns want to tell us that our, our, our country is racist and we're allowing communists and socialists to call themselves comrades and do all these things to come in and build this narrative while we ignore the real narrative, right? I mean, this is a real narrative. And, and, and people often ask me, they go, Joe, why do you even care? Like, it doesn't affect you. Why do you even care? And I would say it affects all of us. Mm -hmm because the scorn that is created by knowing an injustice happened on you, yes. people are in jail every, there's a lot of innocent people in prison. A lot. Oh, yes. How many do you think? I mean, I mean, not, not a number, but I mean, do you think it's a more of an everyday occurrence that, that these traps occur that don't allow for truth to be heard? I don't know if it's a trap, but a prime example is, you know, a cop pulls you over because it's 10 o'clock at night on a Friday night and he thinks he's going to get a DUI. Well, it just so happens that maybe you had a couple drinks, but for it being 10 o'clock at night and you supposedly didn't signal, he would have never had contact with you. But now because he had contact with you, he uses the standard language of, you know, bloodshot, watery eyes, slurred speech, yada, yada, yada. Right. Yeah. Well, now that's probable cause to do um, a, a a DUI test right. or a blood draw or a breath test, right? Well, now they find alcohol. But at two o'clock in the afternoon, they would have never pulled you over for not using your signal, right? right? And so we have allowed things like that to be okay. Right, the slippery slope. Yes, the because the slope. ends justify the means. Exactly. And now they're saying the ends justify the means because of COVID, they don't have to respect the rights of people. and They don't adapt. They don't have to. The judge is like, I need to be safe. But they're not they don't have to be safe. Oh, now they're being yeah. are some cases in certain jurisdictions, the police chief has said it's not okay to do breathalyzers and that the only option people have is a blood draw. And if you refuse the blood draw, it's a refusal. And I'm like, that's not what the statute in Colorado says. You get a choice between breath or blood. How does the police chief get to override the statute that's you here don't. in Colorado? Right. But you that don't. but that now we're fighting that issue. It's yeah. like so, what? But, I mean, you but, can never yeah, get but, anywhere because somebody else is always trying to change the rules to the game. And, and they're smart enough to know that they can do these things and they know that the system is not fast. It's not just, it's not <laughs> right. fast. So people go, how can this be possible? This is it like is. a kangaroo court. Yep. 
people, this is what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. This is what we're doing. In every aspect of our society, we've already broken down our society. We're already at the place where there's no ethical or moral standards. And I think that's my issue is that we need to, there's gotta be a light shed on this every day, all day. I mean, it was enough of a deal that when I talked to you, I was like, listen, you've got to come on a podcast. We have got to talk about this. I'm going to take this podcast, push it out everywhere. We're not going to talk about just your client, although I do want to have information on your client so people understand it. And I want to get back to his story. Mm -hmm. But we have got to stop believing that it's okay as long as it doesn't happen to us. Mm -hmm. Right? We are a society of Americans. Yeah, we don't act like it. We're like, oh, we look over there and we see a train, a crash, right? A car crash, like, ooh, glad it's not me, right? Well, people are so afraid to say anything. Yeah. You know, they're afraid that if they do, they're going to lose their job or somebody is going to harm them. I mean, the list goes on and on of the fear factor behind people. In fact, right. somebody came on my Facebook page and said something to me last night because I was talking about not getting the vaccine and I listed some information and she uh -oh. wanted to say how uneducated I was. Oh yeah. And yeah. that because she's a licensed <laughs> RN that she knew way more than I did. And I was like, so, you, you, so you're trying to tell me that I did not do any research, that I just merely have said I shouldn't, you know, get the vaccine and that because yeah you have an RN license, you're smarter than medical doctors yeah. and virologists yeah. and and me who actually probably did some research. And yeah, she and, told me I was callous and okay, yeah, all but, other and sorts they, of names. And, and this is what bullies do, mm -hmm. right? This is what bullies do. This is what people do when they want to ignore facts, when they're very shallow in their understanding, mm -hmm. that they're being get fed at points, yeah. right? Is that they move to insulting and bullying Right, because they don't have an argument, they don't have an ability, to, and they built an army of these little weaklings. Right, and so you're getting somebody that's yelling at you for the vaccine, and frankly, I have lots of doctor friends, lots of lawyer friends, lots of doctor friends, so they can keep me uh, alive in the hospital <laughs> and, and out of trouble in the courts. Right, good Rolodex. Yeah. So, and but the interesting part is that you can't. There's no winning that argument. There's no winning it. Mm -mm. Like how, how do you win an argument with an idiot? That's what you're dealing. You're dealing with an, with an idiot that has an RN. Sorry, that's what you are. If, if you think that you have the only, there, there are doctors that literally by the thousands are coming out saying, don't get this vaccine. All my doctor friends says, don't get the vaccine. Don't get it. But see, no one wants to hear yeah. that because that doesn't feed the narrative. Right. And, you know, I, I didn't say this to her, but I've said it to other people. Like opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one, right? Oh, mark that down. Get rid of that. <laughs> oh gosh, sorry. You're okay. No problem. <laughs> we 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 actually just strike it so that they don't actually pull down the, oh, the number. Got but it's it. fine. We just put it in there, and that means I can say some stuff now. Here it goes. <laughs> so you know, as a, a criminal defense attorney, I can find an expert to say what I need in yeah. trial. And not that I'm paying them, but there is always an expert that will disagree with another expert, just like obviously there's two sides in the legal system, right? right? Like I disagree with the prosecution and they disagree with me, right? And then a jury gets to decide right. who is believable and what information they go, yeah, I believed their testimony over their testimony and this is why, right? What happens to a prosecutor when they withhold information? Well, I gave you an example. They get censured. Yeah. Right. I mean, I have not seen one disbarred. 
I've been doing it. I've been doing it so, for 16 years, and so, I've seen cases. I mean, the Innocence Project is a prime example. When people come out, I've never seen the prosecutors. Now, the counties typically have to pay yeah. as a result of the injustice, yeah. but yeah. I've never seen a prosecutor or a prosecutor that is now a judge be taken off the the bench or disbarred or a license, you know, taken away as a result of. Okay, so they withhold evidence because they know that if they don't if they do if they give that evidence that it proves that your client is potentially innocent correct so think about this the innocence project came out of the genesis of a lot of people that are innocent being put in prison and most of them are minorities let's be clear yeah yeah let's be clear yeah and we know that the judicial system improportionately attacks minorities because they're caught in the nets more often. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. Because of the socioeconomic condition that they live in inside of inner cities, which, by the way, are run by Democrats. Now, now, now I know you're a lawyer (laughs) and I'm I'm, I'm going to I'm going to be very careful here as far as your political affiliation. But I want everybody to know that not all lawyers are lefties. That's correct. (laughs) Do you want to tell everybody? Yes, I am pretty much a Republican. However, when it comes to the Constitution and the justice system, I tend to, you know, side on the Democrat side a lot. Um, However, I would definitely say I um, am more Republican. Yeah. And you supported President Trump. Oh, 100 percent. In fact, um, I was in his commercial. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah. So but the reason why I bring I, <clears throat> I bring that up is because you said something that I say to many of our listeners all the time. Nothing is absolute. A, a left and right is not absolute. Mm-mm. Right. And I think that what they've done is they've tried to, to, to divide us. And so it takes 80, 90 percent of our country and it marginalizes us because mm-hmm. now we can't have free discussions about free thought. We can't talk about systemic issues that really do exist. Right. And th- this is a prime example. Like we know that Democrats are like, you know, we want to, and, and you hear a radical terrorists like Talib in uh, Congress say, oh, we need to get rid of police and get rid of prisons. And I'm thinking to myself, this sounds like the same radicalization that happened in the 60s and 70s with the Democrats when they wanted to get rid of mental health in- institutions, right? And what does that led us to, mm-hmm. right? So they're trying to break down the constructs of our society. Well, that just shows you that they're just outsiders. Like these are people from other countries that are plants in our country that are here to destroy everything that we stand for as a nation. But with that said, there's some truth to the fact that we have some problems in the judiciary that lead to people being unjustly incarcerated. Absolutely. Because the net is so tight that police forces are given things like cameras that take pictures of license plates that then come back very quickly and say that's a that registration's dead right so then they flip around in this deal they weren't doing anything wrong but they flip around put lights on and all of a sudden they're caught in the trap mm-hmm. and, and maybe they uh, have an ounce of marijuana i don't know right but the reality of it is is that the system is designed for money a hundred percent which means it's not designed to protect Mm-mm. which means it's not designed for of the people, for the people, by the people, which means the constructs of our country have already eroded to a place where it's not even recognizable by our forefathers. Correct. That's where we are. And that is the scariness about not just this one case, but the cases over and over and over again that you have to deal with. Correct. 
Yeah. So let's get back to your client. Okay. <laughs> All right. And we we uh, we have to get to a place where we understand. Like we need to understand what it is we're we're dealing with in this case specifically. So let's walk through this case now. Like what? How is he treated? And and you know. So he because of COVID, they're still on pretty much twenty four hours lockdown in the jail. They get out an hour a day to you know make phone calls, um, use. Uh, the shower, uh, walk around in the pod, uh, but it's just basically themselves. Um, they're not allowed really to interact with uh, any other inmates because each of the inmates get their hour out and the rest of the time they're they're on lockdown. Yeah. Unless like I call, then even if he had previously been out, they'll put him in a room and he's allowed to speak to me on the phone. But for the most part, He's been on 24 lock, 24 hours a day lockdown for the last year and a half with no interaction um, with anybody other than through a glass window in his cell door. So how do you think how do you think his mental is affected by this? Um, you know, it's hard to tell until they like attempt to reacclimate into the real world, right? Because right? Uh, right now he doesn't have. I'm not able to see that, right? Because like I said, he's by himself. He still is struggling mental health wise, even though, you know, he was at the state hospital and they have his meds stabilized and things of that nature. Uh, there is still some concerns I have uh, with his thinking. And I'll be curious to see what happens when we get the report back in the next, you know, couple of weeks from the evaluator that just spoke with my client. Um, however, you know, I think it's something that he's probably going to struggle with for the rest of his life due to the mental health. And I can only hope that, um, we'll have tools in place to set him up for success if we do reach a resolution or ultimately he's found not guilty at trial and, and he comes back out into the world. Right. Okay. Well, that's the scary part just by itself. Right. You have someone that maybe feels like the system has been worked against him. Oh, right? he definitely feels that way. And and he pr and, pro and rightfully so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, then he gets out in the real world and all of a sudden he's all alone again and he's already lost everything. So what's the you know, what's the recourse for him? How does he you're found not guilty? Let, let's hypothetically say he's found not guilty at trial. Right. Does he get any part of his life back? No. Is he getting the money he spent back? No. Now, is there potential for a, a civil lawsuit? That that's something that you know a civil lawyer needs to evaluate. I mm -hmm. I'm not in that position. I keep you know people out of jail. I don't fight people for money typically. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's definitely a conversation with a civil lawyer to see if you know his rights have been violated and can he recoup any money uh, from the the county as a result of the injustice that was served. So, but what are the chances of that? I mean, they have qualified immunity, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that, and, and this is an interesting concept. Qualified immunity gives them the ability to act with impunity. Mm -hmm. There's no fear, right? There's no right. reprisal. There's no, there's no consequences. Well, if the people in our society are being taught to keep your head down, right? And they're being oppressed. I mean, I'll call it oppression. They're being oppressed, and any anybody puts their head up gets it lobbed <laughs> off, and you get it lobbed off, and there's no consequences. Then where are we really? Like, what, what as a society, you know, is this the America that 
you know, people have lived and died for or, or, or died for and fought for and bled for. Right. This is this is a scary, scary conversation to have. Yes. About where we are as a society and why it's so important that we start standing up. And and we and I had a conversation with someone yesterday that said, Joe, there's so much that's broken. Where do I start? Right. So. So how how do we how do we fix these things that you deal with every day? Right. And I think that is true that there is a lot that is broken. However, you don't eat an apple in one bite, right? Like or you, you choke on it and die. Right. You eat an apple one bite yeah. at a time. And so it's taking parts and fixing that. Like one of the things that, you know, happened, I believe it, it wasn't last year, but it was the year before, I believe, um, where the legislature abolished the death penalty. Yeah. Um, and this is definitely somewhere where, you know, I and Republicans disagree, right. right? Like they believe in the death penalty and I don't believe in it because for every one mistake, it doesn't justify, right? Um, the the innocence that could potentially be lost by killing somebody. So I, I struggle with that, but we changed that here in the state of Colorado, right? We abolished that. This year they worked on the felony murder statute and they got that changed, which is huge because if you were riding in the car with me and we got charged with, um, you know, a felony theft and in that theft I shot and killed somebody you would also be charged with felony murder even though you were in the car and maybe didn't know that I was going to rob somebody or steal something and then ultimately right. killed somebody. Right. So you would be looking at the same consequences <sighs> as I would be. Just for being in the car. Correct. Right. Which makes so, no sense. Right. I mean, I, let, let, let's just be clear, right? The, the, the person that commits the crime should be responsible for it. Now, if there's collusion or complicity in that crime, then great. If you didn't know about it, Right, and you just got in the car and your buddy said, hey, get in the car, let's go. And they pull up in front of a bank and say, hey, I got to go get, make a deposit. And they come out or make a withdrawal. And they come out with a bag full of withdrawals and, and tear away from it. You can go to prison for the rest of your life. Right. But even let's just say we'll change the facts just a little bit. You were in the car and you knew he was going to rob the bank. Right. But there was no intentions of killing anybody. And in the meantime, he did kill somebody. Now mm -hmm. you're charged with felony murder. Right. right. Like you aren't just charged with the burglary that you were uh, part of the conspiracy. of. Right. You're now charged with felony murder and you had nothing to do with it. And you didn't conspire to com commit any murder. But you're going to prison for right. a long time. So we just now, you know, got that changed. So it's taking little things like that, you know, the fact that we're not able to do depositions in criminal cases, you know, oh my God, would I love to do a deposition on some of the prosecution's witnesses long before I was in front of a jury, right? However, Colorado doesn't allow that unless the witness is going to be unavailable. Other states allow it. So now we're looking at things like that. So it's, taking one thing at a time that we can do because that's all we can do right like you're never going to fix it all at one time and is this system potentially better than what they have in china or russia sure no, right maybe maybe <laughs> maybe but not right 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 but but why why is it that the media doesn't talk about real injustice why is it that that no matter how far from the top of the roofs you're willing to actually and people, everyone that's here, you need to share this. You need to share this particular feed. You need to share this podcast because this is not just a Colorado problem. Mm -mm. This is a national problem. Right. And solving one problem is just like one domino that you release. But the rest of the dominoes are still falling. People are still going to prison for long periods of time. Injustice is still happening against the American people. 
And the, the system is not designed to solve those problems fast enough. It's, it's just not important. So when people tell me that, oh, every life matters, right? Or black lives matter, they just don't, right? The system is not designed to, to give a crap about minorities, yet they're acting like they do. Oh, we're trying to change. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. You're not, you, you're, they're not trying to change. What they're trying to do is shroud again, yet another facade in front of our society so that we can fail to see what's really happening behind the curtain, mm-hmm. right? So I, I want people to understand that this is, I want to I want to talk more about this problem and reform, and well, I don't believe that people have the opportunity to do that. And we're on the conservative side. Like I'm a conservative Christian. I am 100%. I'm pro-life, 100%. Now, me and you will probably differ on the death penalty because I've seen friends of mine die. Sure. Right. And when you see friends of yours get murdered, um, I got to tell you, the only thing that you want back is you want you want the the feeling of an eye for an eye when you leave someone close to you mm-hmm. is is it's a real. Now, can I be convinced that more people get caught in that trap and that, hey, listen, Joe, just for your edification, just to satisfy your thirst for vengeance, and I, I recognize that's what it is, um, could other people be caught in that trap and be killed for something they didn't do? Yes. Does that sway me? Yes. But we never even get an opportunity to have that conversation. Well, and I guess where I go with that is because I am also a firm believer in God, a higher power, whatever you want to call it, that I don't get to decide justice. That's right. not my job. And so that also sways me with regard to um, the death penalty. Right. Would I love to be the karma police? <laughs> yes. There are yeah. plenty of times I would love to be the karma yeah. police. And I then have to go back. Is that my job? And it's not. So... I believe that they will pay in more than one way, yet do I have the authority and ability to pull the needle, push, yeah. push the and plunge? I, and I'm not sure I could either. I mean, right. look, if you come to my house, and we talk about this all the time, because you know, I get these little threats and things like that, like, we're coming for you. Okay, come for me. <laughs> I laugh, <laughs> and, and I don't have a lot of fear, and, and it goes back to a week and a half ago, when, or a week ago, when I was in the hospital as a human pincushion because I thought I had a heart attack, I think I, at that point, figured out that my fear level of just life is really low. Like death, it's really low. I, just, I was like, okay, well, maybe this is the end. <laughs> this is really painful, right? And I was like, right. ah, is this what it feels like? Right? Yeah. But I wasn't fearful. Mm-hmm. I wasn't afraid of what came next. And I, and I think that I think that based on that and seeing all the problems that are out there, I want to tackle them all at the same time. Right. I really do. I'm at, I talk about your client. I'm like, how do we help him? How do we help this guy? How do we stop this from happening? Knowing that, frankly, you can't. Mm-hmm. You, you, that one man doesn't make a difference. But collectively, if we start having conversations about this as a society and standing up, we can stop it. People can actually go to, because I know you have listeners from all over the United yeah, the States and, yeah. and things. They can go to um, the Innocence Project in their own state and see how many minorities have been found innocent after spending 10, 20, 30 years in jail, mm-hmm. missing their loved ones, birth of grandchildren, parents dying, all of that, um, and how they've been wronged in the system. And like I said, most of the people that come through the Innocence Project are minorities. Barry right. Sheck set this program up, and it's a phenomenal program. And most states have an Innocent Project where they look at cases 
and reevaluate them. Where are majority of these minorities being persecuted, and where is a majority of them of this happening? Because I actually, before this, looked at the Innocence Project specifically, and what was amazing to me is that most of those cases came out of most, and I mean most, like ninety-five percent came out of Democrat-controlled environments, Democrat cities, Democrat mayors, Democrat police departments, Democrat. Um, control. I mean, I'm not talking five years or 10 years, I'm talking decades of Democrat controlled environments where they're figuring this out. And so you have the Democrats saying that there's a race problem, right? Racism, 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 and they're the ones doing it. They're the ones that are yeah. literally destroying people's lives indiscriminately. I, and I would wholeheartedly agree. And our vice president is a prime example of yeah. that. She was a prosecutor in California, yeah. right? And she professed all of this stuff about racism and supporting the black community. And yeah. I was like, uh, let's check your record because I'm pretty sure you were involved in keeping innocent people in jail and those were minorities. So let's talk about your, prosecute, your prosecution record. Right and how you were not for the minorities. Right, and, and kept people for 20 cents an hour to make sure that the state of California actually had low cost labor, slave labor, let's call it what it is. By the way, slaves back in the, in, when slavery was legal, they were actually paid a wage. That's equivalent to what California pays the wage, right? Proportionally, they were paid a couple of cents so they could support their families. So they mm -hmm. felt like inside of that economic, socioeconomic environment that they were at least getting peanuts. Mm -hmm. And what are we doing today in our society? We're, we're trying to satisfy people with peanuts, mm -hmm. like a $1,400 uh, stimulus check, peanuts. And yeah, but now, the immigrants, you know, get a way bigger check yeah, than 15, that. Yeah, how, how do you even, <laughs> and, and again, th this is the part of our society that as people, we should be raging in the streets. And they're not. Well, and I think they're afraid to. Yes. But, and Antifa is the one to keep it. And by the way, Antifa should be on the people's side. Like if Antifa was truly anti-fascist, which they're not, they're actually a plant group that wants communism and socialism and they want oppression. They want, they want, their, they want to be the one that rise up in the light, right? Look what we've done, right? The Nazis have won, <laughs> right? We've, we've overcome the American society. We have weakened them. Welcome China, right? Yeah. But they should be standing up for the people, but they're not, mm -mm. they're not. And what's, what's amazing for me, to me, is that we allow it to happen. Like we, we're, yeah. we're sitting here letting it, we're watching it happen. Like, oh, I don't wanna lose my job. You're about to lose everything. Yeah, that's gonna be the least of your concerns right. pretty soon. Right. Right. <laughs> the least of your concerns. And yet we let it happen. Mm -hmm. And yet we watch the degradation of our society happen, mm -hmm. not just a little bit, but just a massive amount of this erosion happen. And it's, yeah. it's, it's destroying. Right now we are seeing the largest erosion of, of stability to minority communities than we've ever seen in a hundred years. And yet just four years ago, we, we started rebuilding this just great plateau, right, for foundation for minorities. We, we did. Trump did that. Mm -hmm. President Trump did that. But nobody talks about it. And now we're it seeing, doesn't feed the narrative. Now we're seeing this <laughs> erosion happen while they're it. it and, and this is my concern with your client. They stab your client, mm -hmm. right? He's bleeding. He's in pain, right? 
but he doesn't know where the pain's coming from. So then the opportunity for him to lash out at everyone else when somebody says, you know who you need to be upset with? You need to be upset with society. It did it to, the, to you, right? They treated you this way. He becomes a pawn in this game. Mm -hmm. And over and over and over again, we just complete the cycle until all people are just enslaved in a system that they can't get out of. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. So we got about six minutes left. What else do You're you want kidding. to- You're kidding. Yeah. It's we, already we gone by, that it fast. It went by fast. <laughs> By really I feel, fast. I feel like that was like a 10 minute conversation. How did we yeah. already blow through an hour? <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's interesting that, that it doesn't matter. We're, we're talking about constitutionality. We're talking about your client. We're talking about the system of injustice, not mm -hmm. justice, or a series of laws that is unemotionally just persecutes Americans. Where do we go from here? Well, I think that people can really uh, get informed by first looking at the Innocence Project and seeing what the injustices are on a regular basis. You know, reach out to their legislature, reach out to the prosecutors and find out what's going on in their community. Don't just take what they see or hear on the radio or in the newspaper as actual facts. And I think people really need to get their head out of the sand. And even though they may not have had a family member that was necessarily arrested, this ultimately does affect them because at some point you will know someone, whether it's your family member or a friend who gets involved in the criminal justice system, plain and simple. And you will hear potentially a horrendous story of how they sat them in a room and interrogated them for hours and didn't give them food and didn't give them water and didn't allow them to go to the bathroom and use the phone. You know, I see that happen all the time with people that have mental health issues and they turn the camera off and then they go out and then they come back and they, you know, reiterate, this is what you're going to say. And then the client gets on the um, camera and people go, if they were innocent, they would never admit. Well, if you haven't had access to food and water or they did give you food, but they spit yeah. in it before they gave it to you, like you start to lose your mind and you go, okay, they told me if I just said what they wanted me to say, I could get out of here, right? So then they go, okay, I gave you what you want. Now I can leave, right? Then they go, no, now you're going to jail. Wait, what? You said if I told you what I what you wanted right. to hear, I could leave. It's psyops. Right. Right. They they use psychological warfare. Oh against my people. gosh, they do. And it's okay because the ends justify the means. And I think that as we as we go through this process, there's got to be a better answer. And look, I I think there's got to be more that we can do that stands up for these people. I mean, this is truly the injustice. Now, I have no interest in standing up for a gangbanger that is selling drugs and holding a woman hostage with a gun and, you know, just happens to break away. I, I now as, as tragic as the Dante uh, character up in Minnesota is and, and uh, the Brook, Brookside Heights or whatever hills, Brook, Brooklyn Hills, as, as tragic as it is, right? He was not a young father good person right he he was a evil little punk right and so i that's not the person that i want to protect but society didn't have the same reaction to the two black females who murdered the white uber driver in he wasn't california white. he was pakistani okay in dc that i mean that was okay that yeah. was actually 
te- uh, an accident. That's what we were fed. Oh, yeah. Is that it's was an accident. An accident. Yeah, accident. How is that any more an accident than what just happened where she went to supposedly grab her taser and ultimately grabbed her gun? You know, and the hard part about that is we can sit here in a controlled environment and go, God, how can you grab a taser? Or I mean, think you're grabbing your taser and a gun. Like, doesn't it feel different? Whatever. We were never in that moment. And until you've walked in that moment and her shoes at that moment in time and that split second, how are we to say what she did was either appropriate or not appropriate or a mistake or not a mistake? Well, and they knew that he was wanted on a felony warrant for armed robbery, Mm -hmm. right? Of a female, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm not telling you right or wrong. I believe it's for domestic violence. Yeah, but they're they're taking, (laughs) they they had to put a fence up around her house. I have 24 hour security around her house. Because Not they surprising. want vigilante justice mm-hmm. up in, in Brooklyn Hills. Got it. Um, and th- the issue that I have is that, so you want to be vigilante justice? You want to do that? Because I can tell you what, you commit a crime against someone, then we can have vigilante justice as well. You want to turn the society upside down? You want to make it for an eye for an eye? You want to make it that, hey, anytime someone does something wrong, you can just go out and just do harm to them? Because I, pl- I have a list that I would love to create at that point. If that's what they, if they want this great purge to happen where they can do whatever they want, my, 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 my problem with it is, is that they are creating rules and they're allowing things to happen and they could stop this. They could stop it. The police could go out there and just pound on the head of the people that are acting like fools and throwing frozen cans and, and bricks at police officers. They could just arrest them all. Really simple. Put them in the system, right? And, and give them 10 years. And I, I mean, again, this goes against what we just said <laughs> a little bit, but the, the way that you actually call one side or, or both sides is that you create, you got to create peace at some point because in the chaos, nothing gets resolved. Well, and right? I'm as a defense attorney, I'm not here to say that all of my clients are innocent by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. What my job as a defense attorney is to do is to make sure that the police and prosecution do their job and that the constitution is upheld. That's my job. Yeah. I do not decide guilt or innocence. That's a jury's job to decide that if we get there. However, as a defense attorney, I am there to defend and advise my client like, look, these are the facts and this is how it can be played out in front of a jury and this is how it's going to look. And if you want to ride the horse and you want to go to trial, I'm, I'm game. Like, I don't have a problem going to trial, but just know what you're up against. Right. And if you're innocent, I'm happy to ride that horse and defend you all day long. However, if I also believe you're guilty and the facts support that, yeah. then my job is to inform you and get you the best deal that's possible. Right. The best deal that's possible. That's the correct the thing that just and they hold all the cards. So all the cards. I, you know, it's like yeah. going to a gunfight, you know, with a pen. Right. So I'm going to give you last thoughts. We're we're going to oh. close out. We and and uh, by the way, we we will be back at noon. Uh, with Max, and we got a, a packed schedule today. And then, by the way, Tim, tomorrow we have Lauren Bobert on the show for two hours. It's going to be a great show. Um, but yeah, last words, final words that you want to. Yeah, I really hope that this has informed people and enlightened people that the system does not work like it does on, you know, Perry Mason or Law and Order that they, you know, talk to a defendant in a room for five minutes and they have DNA and, you know, the the prosecution does their job and it plays out and they always get the right guy. 
for the most part, I would say the system does not work like that. I wish it did. For the most part. Mm, yeah. So, you know, get informed, find out what's going on in your community. And if there's a way that you can help make some reform in the criminal justice system, reach out to, you know, your legislature, whether it is the House or the Senate and, and make a difference. Yeah. So just to give everybody an idea of things that we're doing at FEC United, and I'll just kind of selfishly plug this fecunited.com. I know that Facebook has blocked that URL. Um, we, we have um, been able to get back our sharing ability at FEC United. But the, th the thing that we have is a law and policy center. We've been working with other organizations. I, I would tell you that this is like a mainstay of what we're doing, but I think societal issues is something that we're doing at FEC United. So um, you can also get involved there. We have some some referrals. You go to fecunited.com. We have some referrals to other organizations. Go to the Innocence Project yes. um, and just become educated. Don't be the surface scratch. I got enough of talking points out of this uh, podcast. Um, truly try to dig into. It's like why I talk about the Constitution every day, right? Dig into um, what it is we're actually facing as a society, even if it doesn't affect you, because sooner or later, that web that they've web that they weave, the the net that they put out there is going to catch a loved one. And whether or not uh, that loved one is or is not or has or has not committed um, a crime or done something wrong, you certainly want to have that them have due process of law. You certainly want to have them have the benefit of the constitutional uh, factors uh, you know, at, at their back, right? Or having their back. So thank you everyone for coming out to this special edition of Conservative Daily Podcast. Andrea Hall, yes. thank you very much for coming out. I really appreciate it. This has been enlightening for me and uh, God bless you. Thanks for having me. All right, till 12.